Not a matter of if, but when a crisis could turn your world upside down. I'm Rashini Rajkumar, crisis strategist, licensed attorney, and host of The Crisis Files. In each case file, we explore a real crisis or a ripped from the headlines controversy. My crisis squad and I are here to find solutions. Our suggestions are meant to empower you to handle your own crisis or prevent crises from happening. We do not provide legal, financial, medical, or PR advice for particular situations, but strongly recommend you seek out professionals to help your specific need. Today, I've got Crisis Squad member Dr. Abdul Omari with me. He's an inclusion and equity thought leader and consultant. We're diving into the case file I call Touchy Talky. This story made national news, but the scenario could happen anywhere, not just Becker, Minnesota. Here's the case. The Becker School District had a communication policy that many teachers thought squelched their free speech rights. Indeed, some of them calling it a gag order. They got the teachers union involved to sue. Not long afterward, the school district rescinded the controversial policy. Many believe connected to this was a previous controversy at the same district about LGBTQ rights. Abdul, let's talk about this fact pattern and then get into inclusive conversation overall. This one, it's right. It's not just Becker, Minnesota. This is a microcosm of what we're seeing across the nation in districts, whether rural or metro districts. One of the big lessons that I take from this case, and again, from what we've been witnessing across the country, where folks are concerned or unhappy or feel some wrong is being done, and there's a very reactionary response. What we witnessed is a situation where not long after one meeting that was controversial about LGBTQ rights, I think two months afterwards, a communication policy was passed that in any situation with a complex organization when you're passing policy, to do it in two months is really, really fast because <laughs> you usually want folks to have review, you want folks to have input, so on and so forth, to hopefully have a situation where you don't end up immediately getting sued. And I think this is an example where it probably moved significantly faster than it should have. An overreaction, yes. as you say, reactionary response versus thought out, discernful response. Some of this policy talked about what colors and images to use when in the school district's logo. That seems fairly neutral. But another part, employees may not make statements to the media, individuals, or entities outside the district relating to student or personnel matters. Okay, well, that's kind of squishy because, of course, you're not supposed to talk about a specific child or another colleague and what they may be going through with human resources. But if the school district is doing something wrong and you're a teacher and you have a casual conversation with friends or the media asks you about it, I mean, you see that all the time. You see teachers talking to the media. So it was overly broad, as we would say in the law. And that's, to me, what I think killed this policy. Yeah. And if you go to the personnel and student matters, I'm pretty sure that there's federal policy that guides that anyway. Absolutely. Right. And so that seems like a kind of null point to include in this policy. The other thing that comes to my mind is what happens in situations where something does need to be elevated beyond the pathways that we have within an organization. For example, if I'm trying to move things through the process that we have at our district and it's not moving anywhere, at what point do I need to seek some sort of outside support as a teacher, as a staff person or what have you? 
Right. There are so many balancing acts here. And one of those that I really wanted to get into with you today, Abdul, is just the situation of we have all different kinds of people, all different kinds of kids, whether it's race, you know, you're black, I'm brown, you're a man, I'm a woman, or we need to say now cisgender, I'm a cisgender woman. How do we grapple with that? Because I know most of us really want to make everyone feel equal and cared about and respected. But there are just so many competing factors. Children, young people, teens are coming into their own. They're learning about their sexuality, their identity. Get into that because this is your area and give us some advice on this. First thing I'll say is it's really complex and it's changing rapidly and we're learning new language. We're learning new understandings of people in the complex nature that people come with. It's important to, number one, step back for a moment and really reflect on and think about how we got to the more traditional definitions. Things like gender from the standpoint of man, woman. Because if you look into some of that history, it's actually pretty disturbing, right? And how we ended up even with men and women in this sort of uh, binary of genders that really had a lot to do with what they were calling reaching womanhood, the majestic nature of womanhood and the assumption or notion that black women cannot reach true womanhood. Wow. And so when you start from that perspective and then you you really understand that story behind. Yes. Right. And so then there's race involved in there. There's gender involved in there. There's childbearing involved in there and this sort of history behind it. And then I come to a point where someone is saying, well, I go by they. I'm like, hey, that's cool. Like the two gender binary is pretty messed up to begin with. So if that's how you move through the world, I'm happy to call you they. Well, and, 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 and you know what? I'm so <laughs> glad to hear you say that because people don't get upset. Don't write me hate letters. When this whole pronouns thing started yeah. and I'm still learning it and I bungle it and I don't mean to, I'm hearing they when I'm thinking it should be he or she mm-hmm. and I'm thinking this is a grammatical issue. Mm-hmm. So get me over this and help people understand. What you just described really helps me kind of understand it better. I do it too, right? Like think about my writing in my research. I had to write everything he or she. You can't go from a singular to they. That's how I learned to write. And so now I'm reading my students' papers and they do it all the time. And I'm like, wait, this is not. But my point in the story, sort of that historical standpoint is, I think part of the goal for me is to get us to understand it's not about now I am having to change how I think, how I speak, how I move through the world that negatively impacts me. It is more work for us, right, to like retrain our brain. Yes, it is. However, at the same time, I am significantly more interested in doing it when I know that historical piece that is not a great history. (laughs) And so I'm more excited, quite frankly, to call people they because I understand that tainted historical perspective. The other things that come to mind for me are There's a level of grace that is necessary in all of this. We have to not only give ourselves grace, but we have to offer other people grace. A colleague of mine, we were talking about a situation where this person clearly messed up and went into a pretty deep, regretful, I need to quit my job. I shouldn't be doing the work that I'm doing, right? We were having this conversation and she said she went to her therapist and her therapist told her, who do you think you are 
that you would never mess up? Wow, that's a good question. Right? Like no one is that great that they're not going to mess up. (laughs) And almost the arrogance behind thinking (laughs) we won't mess up. And so it was sort of this moment, I think, for her to step back and say, I will be okay. I will get through this moment. I will mess up again. And I could tell you on and on the times as a inclusion, equity, diversity, social justice professional going into a situation and completely messing up in front of a thousand people. And you've lived to tell the tale. Correct. And so I think that's a very big piece of it, too, because we're getting into situations now where people will come to me and say, Abdul, give me a list of things I can say and the things I can't say. Way missing the point. That's not where we want to be. Where do we want to be? Because I can imagine a lot of people, at least if they learn the list, they'll mess up 20% less of the time. Yeah. And this for me is we want to be at a place of curiosity. We want to be a place of learning. We want to be in a place of wanting to respect how people want to move through the world and be referred to or how they show up. And I think there's a big difference between give me the list of things I can and can't say because we're not learning. We're not cultivating curiosity. We're not understanding the gender binary and the history of it. We're just saying, oh, okay, now I need to call everybody they. I'll go forward and call everybody they. Or I'll just call everybody by their name, which is also okay. Like, it's okay to call people by their name. Well, I've been there. I did this topic a few years ago on my radio show and uh, had some experts in this area on. And I know I managed to bungle it during that 15-minute interview, but I did try. I thought, okay, this will be the fix. Uh, At least with these two people in studio, I'll try to always use their name. That is not always possible. It's not. Pronouns are just part of language. And it's not always possible. Again, it comes back to I want to call people by their names. Because I think names are really important. And I think about my name, the meaning of my name, the thoughtfulness with which my parents named me and being named after my uncle and my middle name after my other uncle. I rarely use nicknames, too, because I think there's something in names. And I agree with you. Yeah. And I, that's I different from I'm just going to use names because I don't want to mess up pronouns. <laughs> yeah. Well, Dale Carnegie did say the sound of a person's own name is the sweetest sound to their ears. And I do believe that also. But I get what you are going for here is helping us stay curious, helping us put this in the framework of learning, mm-hmm. maybe even a new language or the next level of language for us in English. Absolutely. And I'm sure in other languages, too. The other thing that I would just note about this cultivating curiosity, oftentimes people fall into the trap of they want to learn things so that they can create a new dichotomy between here's how they do it and here's how we do it and our way is right. And that is also different from I want to learn because I want to respect and acknowledge that there are different ways to do it. And And there are different ways people want to be referred to, want to be conversed with. I love that. The cultivation of curiosity, but also true respect. I mean, that is how we heighten our ability to not only understand, but then to give respect to other human beings. That's right. You talk about grace. That's such an important topic. What do you say to some of the people who might, I'm just going to use an example, identify as they or they and them, and people mess it up? And they're insulted and they get angry because it does require the people that want that, which is still kind of a newer way of addressing and referring. 
And I know I want to get it right. I want to respect others. But I also sometimes tense up that I'm going to get slammed if I mess up. So the first thing is grace is a reciprocal idea. The challenge in that is the person on the receiving end of what is known as a microaggression, if they're referred to as he or she and go by they, that could be the 1,000th time that week that they've been called he or she when they go by they. When you get hit with the 1,000th, I think about it in terms of mosquito bites or paper cuts, right? The 1,000th, you're ready to lose it. And unfortunately, it might be Rashini's first time doing it, but then you might be on the receiving end of that 1,000th. Reception of it. Yes. There's multiple levels to it. And again, I, I try to practice offering that grace when it hits me from other people. And there are situations where I'm just kind of at the wit's end. I also think that we need to continue to think about we have learned and been socialized our entire lives to he, she pronouns, to the ways in which we think about the societal norms that we have, what we've learned consciously and unconsciously. And if we've been learning that our entire lives and we were introduced to new pronouns three years ago, it's going to be pretty hard to sort of shift what I've learned for 33 years in three years. Well, and that's the thing with a new language even. When we think of the different languages, they always say it's easier for you to learn a second or third language as a child. So today if I wanted to learn Russian or Spanish or Chinese, it would be much more difficult. And I've been an English speaker all of my life. And I understand other languages but cannot speak them. So that's a really good analogy. I mean, we have to give ourselves grace, but hopefully others can give us grace as we learn this new fold or new dimension, next generation of our language. If we are the ones who mess up and we get that negative response, we also need to give them grace because it might be their thousandth time, right? Exactly. (laughs) And maybe it is a true apology. Yes. Or please help me understand. I think coming back maybe with the moment of learning and cultivating curiosity is a good response. And the way that I would slightly shift that is, are you willing to help me understand more? I like it. Are you willing to help me understand? we want to give them the opportunity to say, actually, no, maybe tomorrow. (laughs) But we want to, instead of putting that onus back on them, we want to offer them if they are willing to help me understand more. And if they say no, we can find that knowledge somewhere else. Somewhere else, because those resources are there. Abdul, what do you have to say to people who just can't hear this logic you're describing, the next generation of all of this, and they just, they're stuck on the biological. There's man, there's woman, and that's it. A big piece of this is we're stuck on not only the biological, but we're conflating that with the terms that come along with it as far as male, female, man, woman. There are biological realities. I cannot bear a child. That's just, it is what it is. Where it gets a little bit muddier and where I think we need to retrain ourselves is to think beyond that piece. And I'll give an example to try and display what I'm attempting to. When I was in college, I joined a fraternity. And one of my fraternity brothers made a point to always hug every one of us when he saw us. Because the gender dynamics would tell you that men don't hug. And this is what I'm getting at. We are told women have these feelings, operate in these ways, and this is beyond childbearing, should get paid less, should do these jobs, so on and so forth. And men, there's a whole nother set of rules and societal norms that men should feel, think, what have you. 
And so when we can get away from those gender binaries, then we are able to have spaces, places, people who can feel, think fluidly across those dynamics in ways that are more welcoming, in my opinion, that are healthier, that will lead to more inclusive and authentic relationships in a way that is not bound by these norms that we have been told since birth. Obviously, we can all learn more from you. Where can people easily find you? Your website? What, yeah. How can people find you? Because I know there are so many lessons and content that you have. So my website is abdulmomari.com. My name is Abdul, A-B-D-U-L. Love it. I love that we are able to give you that quick little ad in this Crisis Files episode. And touchy-talky really is the right uh, (laughs) term for this case file. Well, thanks so much, Abdul, for always helping us cultivate curiosity. He is one of our Crisis Squad members. You can find Dr. Abdul Omari on his website. He's also on social media. Today's Crisis Brief brought to you by Spoke 612 Productions. Number one, age-old narratives may actually be a distortion of history and human rights. Number two, be curious. When you are curious, you learn there are different ways of existing. Number three, give yourself grace and offer others grace. Spoke 612 Productions takes your ideas and brings them to life. Linda, Sarah, and Matt are committed to excellence and inclusivity. As a WeBank certified women-owned production company, Spoke 612 inspires awareness and delivers impact through storytelling. When you put your project in their hands, Spoke 612 draws on their own talents and experience to ensure they tell the best possible version of your story. Visit their portfolio at Spoke612.com. Thank you to my podcast co-producer, Tom Hamilton of Undertone Music. Want us to weigh in on your crisis? Email me, Rashini at RashiniGroup.com. R-O-S-H-I-N-I at RashiniGroup.com. I'm Rashini Rajkumar. Join me next time on The Crisis Files. <laughs>